Turn in your Bible to two passages today, Acts 26 and Matthew 16. Acts 26 and Matthew 16. Hold your places there. We began last Sunday the series, really the church-wide campaign called Raising the Bar. Everybody say we're raising the bar. Now, this is not just a Sunday morning series. It's a church-wide commitment, a campaign, a church-wide commitment campaign to transform the culture of our church family. I have to tell you, I don't have time to go back and look at last week's uh, uh, statistics, but I gave you some alarming statistics about the church in America. And Beverly, bring me those three little flyers there beside your Josh, somebody. And let me, if you haven't gotten these, I emailed them to our entire church family. There's a few on the table in the back. These are our church-wide uh, commitment documents that we want you to embrace and go along with us. Because raising the bar, when you start raising the bar in people's life, how many of you know when you get to a job and you get your get everything going and you learn what you do, your boss will come along and what does he do? Oh, you got that down. You're doing good. You're doing great. Oh, yeah, man, I got this down. That nothing took. What does he do? He or she they raise the bar so they can they can get more productivity out of you. We talked last week about the fact that our culture, the bar has been lowered in the church, and it's time we raise the bar. One of the first things that I want you to do and join with us, we have seven, it's a seven-week effort, and, and uh, this is seven church-wide memory verses. We're on week two. We just began Romans 1.16, and for all of our people in Sunday circles, let's try, uh, is the memory verse up there? Let's work it out here this morning. Everybody read it. It's the Romans 1.16, and it says this. It says, for I am not ashamed. Pardon, is that it? Yeah, for I am not ashamed. I'm waiting for it. Here we go. Help me. Is it stuck? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of, of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. That means to everybody. And so if you've missed this, you, there's some in the back, and, and get this, and you join with us, and let's raise the bar in our life and begin to hide God's Word in our heart on a weekly basis. So that's our memory verse uh, and uh, just help me if we're stuck, but tell me and I'll keep going. We're stuck. Okay, I'll just keep going. Uh, uh, we're having all kinds of technical difficulties here today. And then the other two is this, a church-wide challenges and then personal challenges. And I won't go through them all, but I want you to just join with me. Pastor Sam's raising the bar in his own life. Personally, commit to raising the bar in our spiritual life. Uh, um, uh, uh, reading through the New Testament. Uh, Memorizing the seven verses, spending at least seven uh, minutes a day de in devotional. You say, that doesn't sound like long. You do it for seven weeks. That's almost six hours. Some of you hadn't spent six hours with the Lord in six years. Come on now. Uh, and we, so we're raising the bar. Tell your neighbor we're raising the bar. And then we've got church-wide campaign uh, commitments. And the one that I want, that is a, the first big challenge is this. Uh, to attend church for seven straight weeks. Now you're here for the, for this one. All you need is five more. Okay. So we're, we're already getting through that. So get these down. There's some in the back. I, if you're a church member, I emailed them to you. Uh, and, uh, I may have emailed them to you twice inadvertently. If you don't have them and you need them, you say, you call me and I'll get them to you. I'll email them to you. Uh, and, uh, and then when you get them and you start doing it, we're encouraging our Facebook folks 
to post them somewhere in your office, wherever you work and whatever you do, your, your Facebook, uh, uh, pardon me, your raising the bar, uh, campaign challenge documents, just to let the whole world that you're raising the bar in your, in your own personal life and in your church family. Uh, and, uh, that's what we're doing. We're changing the culture. We're transforming the culture. Our culture in America, uh, especially the American church, we're not even evangelistically keeping up with our growth rate. You do, you do realize that we're falling behind in America when it comes to evangelizing our world. But a lot of the rest of the world are keeping ahead evangelistically of the population growth of their, of their, of their nation. American Canada are not keeping up with our population growth. We're losing the battle evangelistically. We've lowered the bar. Look at your neighbor. Say, we time, it's time we raise the bar around here. Come on now. Everybody raise the bar. I told this last week that a friend of mine's a, 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 um, a superintendent in a school district in Oklahoma. When he got there a few years ago, it was mediocre. The teachers were just drawing a paycheck. The education was at an all-time low. And he came in there and he began to raise the bar. And the first thing that happened is everybody got mad. I mean, if you know, when you start challenging people's mediocrity, uh, they don't normally just go, oh, thank you, Jesus. And so if you, you know, my mama used to tell me this. She said, son, you can get glad in the same britches you got mad. And so if you're here today and raising the bar has irritated you a little bit, well, I'll just quote Ina May. Ina May said, son, you can get glad in the same britches you got mad in. Tell somebody, you can get glad in the same britches you got mad in. Tell them. It, amen. You really can't. So we're raising the bar. Are you in Matthew 16? Did you find Matthew 16? I want to read this because we're going to talk about raising the bar uh, of our influence in the world. And I want to begin with this challenging, and I'm telling you, Jesus raised, Jesus never lowered the bar. Religion, in effect, lowered the bar. When you start reading the red, you'll determine Jesus was always raising the bar. In fact, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, you'll find phrases like this. You've heard that it was said, but I'm telling you this. You've heard that it was said, if you commit adultery, uh, I, I, I can't remember what it says, you're worthy of death or something. Jesus said, but I say unto you, if you just think about committing adultery in your heart, you've committed it already. What do you do? He raised the bar. Tell somebody else, we need to raise the bar around here. We really do. Jesus was always raising the bar. The Old Testament was all about the fact that we could not attain to the bar. We could not be righteous in our own life. We couldn't fulfill the law. We can't fulfill the law. But Jesus came and, and provided an avenue where not only could we, uh, uh, you know, fellowship with Him, but through His mercy and grace, we could raise the bar in our life and be victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave. Somebody say amen. And so Jesus was always raising the bar. And in Matthew 16, he says this, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, all the disciples say, that's me. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me. Now he's starting to define what it means to be a real follower of Jesus Christ. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. Now that doesn't sound very charismatic. That doesn't sound very Pentecostal. But deny myself? I thought it was all about me. And Jesus says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
Then he says, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Man, I'm telling you, there's something supernaturally important about the reality uh, of, of, of following Jesus. It's not all about us. It's about, uh, we can move past that. I'm, I've, I've already beyond that. I'm into the meat of the message today. I was going to go over that, but I thought, hey, uh, we'll move right along. That's what we're all about. And so we realize in this passage of Scripture that it's going to cost us something. There's a cost. Discipleship. You're going to really follow Jesus. It's all about denying ourselves and denying our, ourselves and allowing the resurrected Christ to be made manifest in our life. Are you with me? And so here we go. This is what you and I need to embrace. Our America, Americanized Christian culture has become more selfish than selfless. How many of you know that's the truth? We've become more selfish than selfless, even when following Jesus requires a sacrificial crucifixion of our life and a resurrection of his life. That's what Christianity is all about. Could we read that out loud together? Would it be okay if we read that out loud together, everyone? The Americanized Christian culture has become more selfish than selfless. Even when following Jesus requires a sacrificial crucifixion of our life and a resurrection of his life. And that's the reality of the culture that Christ came to impart to us, to instill within us. But in America, we see something exactly opposite. The church thinks it's all about them. They believe that Jesus came to be a blessing to them and to help them. Now, how many know Jesus wants to bless us and help us? But the reason he wants to bless us and help us is so we can be his hands extended to bless the rest of the world that yet to name the name of Christ. And so so Jesus came to raise the bar of what it means to be a committed Christian. I said this, uh, I think I tweeted this, something along this line. The biggest roadblock to evangelizing this world is the fleshly influence of uncrucified Christians. Because we're not keeping up in America with even our growth rate when it comes to evangelizing the world. That means we're focused more upon other things than we are God and His purposes. That means we're, we're more selfish today than we were yesterday. And that's got to change. That's the culture we live in. We live in a culture that is more about us than it is about others. It's more about us than it is about God and His purposes for our life. And I know we all have needs. How many of you here today, if you'd be honest, there's some areas in your life that need Jesus to help you in? I've got my hand up right here. We all have needs, but understand something. Jesus didn't come just to meet all of our needs. He came to heal us and help us so we could be His hands extended into a world to be a people of influence in the world. You know, we're all people of influence. It just depends on what how we choose to influence others. How many of you have some people in your life that have been great influencers in your life? Amen. How many of you know that you are an influencer in the world, whether you realize it or not? I'll never forget one of the big sports uh, stars. I can't remember who it was. It might have been the... The loudmouth on T, on a NFL ball headed guy. He said, I am not a role model. I am not a role model. I refuse to be a role model. But what was he? He was a role model. He's just a bad one. 
right? And we all have people who influence our lives uh, one way or the other. But our culture is in trouble. Our churches are in trouble because the, 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 the church has not come to the place where they realize if I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to deny myself and then follow Him and take up my cross and follow Him and live a crucified life. You know, Paul said this, I believe it's in Galatians 220, I'm not sure, it just came to the top of my head. He said, I die daily, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, but Christ liveth in me. He said, I'm dead, but Christ lives in me. I'm crucified with Christ. And I pray that would be, that would begin to be the culture of our life, that we would die to our own selves and begin to live to His life. That's what baptism is all about. That's what Christianity is all about. For it says we are buried with Him through baptism unto death and raised to walk in a new life. A life that is submitted to the governance of God. A life that is yielded. A life that has been crucified to the things of this world. And everybody said, Amen. So we've got to raise the bar of our capacity to influence the world. We've got to raise the bar of personal influence. God's looking to you to influence the world around you. And if we're more concerned about our own selves than others, if we're, if we're all, you know, I had a preacher friend of mine said the whole world has inverted eyeballs. Uh, that was his way of saying we can, we can't look at anything else but ourselves. We're so self-consumed that we can't see the world around us that so desperately needs Jesus. And as a result, we've become self-consumed, <coughs> pardon me, self-consumed and we become consumers. We look at the church as what it'll do for us. We shop for churches like we shop for good restaurants and we think, man, they give me this. They give me that. I get this. I get that. And sadly, the church has succumbed to that advertising type mentality if you come this is what you get you know Jesus didn't say that Jesus said if you come to me if you're going to follow me you're going to have to die to yourself you're going to have to be crucified to yourself it's a whole different mindset and so the culture in a Christian culture in America is kind of all messed up and it's time to shift it's time to change it's time to everybody say raise the bar and so today I want to talk to you about what we need to do in our lives and some thoughts or some simple thoughts is nothing profound, but certainly some things to get us to begin to ponder the reality that there's a world with, around us that needs our influence. It needs us to be able to show them the way as we talked about a few weeks ago. And so we're going to talk about the, what, it, what it takes to influence others. How many of you want to be an influence for others? I said, how many of you want to be an influence for others? Hey, if you're going to be an influence, the ability to, uh, to influence others requires a few things. And the first one is this. And this is so simple, but you and I need to embrace it. It's the influence of our openness. Everyone say openness. And when you see the statistics in, in America, what you'll have to say is Christianity has begun to close up when it comes to our concern for others. If we're not keeping up with the population growth, if we're having struggles even getting to church, I said this, uh, I don't know where I, I might have said it Thursday night. You know, uh, as committed, commit, um, everybody get your quotations out. Everybody get your quotations out. Everybody's like committed Christians. That's, that, that's a little sarcastic. That's one of, you know, most committed Christians struggle to get to church on a regular basis. In other words, the commitment level has been lowered to the point, here's the statistic, that most, everybody do it again. 
committed Christians are at church less than 50% of the time on Sundays. And so uh, the bar has been lowered. And so that's where we are. And our and we've become began to be closed off to others. Listen, if our hearts are closed off to others, others will be the ones who pay the biggest price. There are others around us that need what we have. And if we close, if we get closed off, if we get what my preacher friend says, inverted eyeballs, uh, we'll miss God's best for our life and others will pay the price. Here's what Paul said concerning the Corinthians. And I want to tell you, the Corinthians had some issues. But how many of you know, just because you got issues doesn't mean that God doesn't love you very, very much. And here's what Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 6, 11. He said this. He said, we, we have spoken openly to you. Our hearts are wide open. Now, I love that. But in America, our hearts are by, by and large not wide open to others. We're more concerned about our own self. Paul said to the Corinthians who had issues, who were immoral, had all kinds of strange, bizarre things going on in their world. And he writes to them, he says, we've spoken openly to you. We not pulled any punches with you. We come straight up. We're straight up with you concerning what it takes to be born again. And our hearts are wide open to you. You know, last week we looked at the life of Moses. We realized Moses had issues. The one who led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, he, he was, he had issues. He had a lot of issues. In fact, most of us don't realize that. Uh, you know, we've seen the movie, we think, whoo, he's one, you know, bad mama jamma, but hey, understand, he had indignation issues. We looked at that. That means anger. He had identity issues. He had insecurity issues. He had inferiority issues that resulted in an insubordination issue. He said, I, don't, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. And why? Because he, he was, he had a, all his issues caused him to be more concerned about himself self than others and God had to come into his life and rattle his cage a little bit you see we there's been a culture shift in America now none of us are old enough to remember what I call the old timey day everybody say old timey you know in the old timey day everybody say I said everybody say old timey in the old timey days the church was the center of the community in the old timey days, everybody rallied around the church because there was no other thing. Really, that was the only thing going. And community was a big deal. Man, this is the community center. It's everything. It's the schoolhouse. Come on, y'all seen Little House on the Prairie, for goodness sake. In the old timey days, community meant everything. But the culture shift happened. We've, we've gone from interdependent to self-sufficient. Listen, when you study the scripture, you'll discover, you'll, you'll discover that the, that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a church that is interdependent upon one another. We are the body of Christ. How many of you know you can't segregate, segregate a body and separate all its parts and expect it to live? But, and so we should be, we're interdependent. You've read Corinthians, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. If you're with me, smile and nod. If you, if you're really with me, say amen and smile and nod. Okay. But here's what's happened in our culture. We don't need each other anymore. We're self-sufficient. We can do it by ourselves. We don't need anybody. I don't need them. They don't need me. And now you have gated communities and high fences. 
that basically says, I'm self-sufficient. I don't want you into my world. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that, but it's invaded our world evangelistically. And now there's a social skepticism when it comes to people who are friendly. Did you know that? Man, I've been in certain parts of our nation and I'm from Texas. You say, howdy, how are you, how are you doing? Man, I remember one time, I don't know if it was in New York, I was walking out of a bathroom, uh, you know, public bath. I said, hi, how are you doing? Let's go. We've got a social skepticism. Beverly and I, we were at the lake house about a month ago, and uh, I, we had this little watermelon that was in the refrigerator, and we had to clear out the, uh, the refrigerator. And our, we have some new people down the uh, across the pasture from us just purchased a piece of uh, lakefront property, and they've been developing it. And I saw them down there working. They'd built a little metal building. I said, Beverly, I haven't met these people. I'm going to take this watermelon down there and introduce myself and tell them who I am and if they need anything. And so I pull up and they're working there. There's two couples there, middle-aged people. And they, you know, if and I just, I walked up with this watermelon and they were looking at me and going. And I put on my best sales pitch. Hi, I'm Sam Walker. I own the house down over across the way there. We saw y'all working. We're fixing to leave. And we had this watermelon. I haven't introduced myself. I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Sam Walker. And and finally, they, they sputtered out their names. I mean, it was like, we don't really want to tell you who we are, but we're a little uncomfortable here, so my name is... And then I said, I brought, I brought you this watermelon. And they looked at me like, who? You know, like, was it laced with poison or something? I finally just had... I, I said, I, I, you know, I'm trying... I, oh, okay. They finally took the watermelon. I walked away going, what in the world? just happened I don't know where they came from but man their wall was a mile high I got my work cut out for these folks but that's the world we live in today and it's invaded the church you see let me just tell you some of you when 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 I say amen in a little bit you are so concerned about meeting a stranger that you will bolt out of here like a bolt of lightning going, OMG, I hope nobody says anything to me today. I know I'm getting close to home there, aren't I? Lord, I can't come to Sunday circles. I have to look people in the eye. Just ah! be glad you're not in that church I was in one day. I was in church one day and the choir started singing. It was a little different church than you and I are used to. And all oh, they started singing and getting going. And then they walking through the crowd and all the new people that were little under, they would say, come out of that corner. You can't hide. Everybody say it. Come out of that corner. You can't hide. Man, our call, we're battling an uphill battle. And so the church can allow that into our life. Let me, let me do this. Let me, let me give you a little quiz. Let, let's test your, uh, your openness factor. Let's see how open you are in your hearts. Okay. I'm getting close. We're going to run a test here. I'm not going to make you uh, say the answers out loud, but here we go. When you were reading the raise the bar challenges, when you read these, this is a test. When you read the Raising the Bar Challenge to influence others, does it excite you or irritate you? Well, thank you. 
We got one excite and a lot of people who ain't saying. Man, when you start talking about, hey, we got to win our world to Christ, does it make you nervous? Does it, uh, does it undo you? Oh, no. Preacher, don't go there. I just came for you to cast the devil off me. I, I don't need this business. Don't, you know, does it, hey, it, it'll, it'll let you know where your heart is. Here's another one. Have you allowed your issues to close the door of your heart to others? Have you allowed your issue to shut you down relationally with others? Are you a fence builder or a bridge builder? Think about it for a moment. I'm building fences, brother. I don't want, I've been, you know, once burned, twice careful. Think about it. Are people drawn to you or do you struggle relationally? Think about it. Now, not everybody's Mr. Uh, Gregarious. I understand that. There's personality issues. But listen, if you're a Christian, come on now. If you're a Christian, I said, if you're a Christian and you're born again and you've been washed in the blood and, you, and you're on your way to heaven, there ought to be something a little charismatic about your life. You shouldn't look like you've been baptized in what? If people don't flock around you, if people don't like to talk to you, it's probably not their fault. Hello. In fact, it may be the, you may have the Bob principle. Anybody know the Bob principle? If Bob has a problem, anybody here, by, before I give this, anybody here named Bob? No, you're Robert. You're not Bob. You're, we're, we're going. Any Bobs? Okay, the Bob principle. The Bob principle is this. If Bob's got a problem with everybody, Bob's probably the problem. If you got relational issues every time you turn around and, and you just can't get through any of them, listen, there's something wrong right here. There's a heart problem and our hearts have been closed off to others. I don't know what it is, your issues or whatever it is. And, and here's, well, pastor, I've heard this. I'm not, I'm not really a people person. You just diagnosed a problem. Can you imagine Peter pulling that on Jesus? Hey, I'm going to anoint you. You'll be the first Pentecostal preacher. Well, Jesus, I understand something. I appreciate all that, but I'm just not a people person. Have you ever heard that in the church? If you're here today and you say, well, I'm just not a people person, you got a problem. Because people, that's what it's all about in this world. If you got a people problem, well, then we just might need to just, you know, just lovingly hold your breath, let you go to heaven. We're just going to put you out of your misery around all these people, for goodness sakes. And they're around you that are on their way to a devil's hell because you, you can't talk to them because you're just not a people person. I'm going to rebuke that spirit before we get out of church this morning. Hey, listen. We got to get open. Everybody said we got to open up. You know what? You know what Jesus did when he saw the multitudes? Matthew 9, 36 says, it says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were a sheep without a shepherd. His heart was open to the world around him. 
In fact, Joel chapter 3 tells the story of the end of days. And it says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And, and we've got to see the multitudes that are without Christ. And we've got to have the heart of Jesus. How are we going to do that? We've got to crucify ourselves and let the life of Jesus be raised up within us. If you're not a people person, Jesus is not Lord of your life. Ooh, boom, chakalaka. It's true. It's true. Look at your neighbor and say, he's telling the truth. I know he's telling the truth. Am I right? Because Jesus was a people person. He was a companion. His heart was open to those around him. So, hey, I'll get off of it. I got 20 minutes to get three more points. But let me just say, if you're going to, if you're going to raise the bar of your personal influence, the ability for you to do that requires the influence of your openness to others. You got to be open. If our hearts are closed off to others, they're going to pay the price. And number two, it's the influence of our others. Let me explain that today. The ability to influence others, follow me, it's a little bit of a wordplay. The ability to influence others is developed by the influence of others. And, and, if you, and if you didn't pass the test on the first one and you're closed off to others, you don't have others. Because you're, a, you're just not a people person. Or you're afraid, to people to, you're afraid for people to see you how you really are. Well, you know how they see you? Closed off with a big sign that says, warning, warning, danger approaching. But what I'm talking about is this. If you're going to be an influencer, you must be under the influence. If you're going to be influence of others, you've got to have others influencing your life. If we're going to raise the bar of our influence to others, we need others influencing our life. And when you look to Scripture, that's what it's all about. It's about others influencing others. It's about like Jesus. You know the first thing Jesus did when he entered his full-time ministry? He started rallying together others in his life so he could influence those others. Everyone say, it's all about others. It's about other people. And he started rallying the others. And he said, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you to be an influence to others. You see, if you're going to follow Jesus, He will put you in the interaction and in relationship with others who can raise the bar in your life. Listen, if you don't want to hang around the... Let me see. If you want... Here it is. It's coming to me. This is in divine inspiration, maybe. I don't know. If you want to soar with the eagles... Don't be hanging around a bunch of turkeys. Oh. Come on, am I, am I honest? Who are the others in your life who raise the bar in your life? When you leave them, you feel better. When you leave them, you're challenged to get to do better. I've got some others in my life. I'll name a few. Can I name a few others? Because I certainly don't want you to think I'm tell, telling you something that's not true. I thank God for Pastor Sonny Canancer. He's one of my others. He raises the bar in my life. Pastor Ron Hammonds, he raises the bar in my life. Uh, uh, John Miller, he's in the book. You can read about how years ago John Miller raised the bar in my life. I've got others in my life. Could I keep going? David Hatley, who's in Africa, Jameson Titus and his family, the Titus family, they raised the bar in my life. People in my life raised the bar in my life. My family raises the bar in my life because they don't put up with my shenanigans. Who are the others in your life? 
If you don't have others who are raising the bar in your life, you'll never influence others. You getting it? Hey, read the book of Ephesians. It's all about, it says we, us. It's others, the influence of others. And if you want to raise the bar in your life and be an influence to others, you got to be influenced by others. And it might require you to adjust your schedule for goodness sake. It might require us to realize, you know what, if I don't have anybody in my life, I might need to be at Sunday Circle Sunday because they're giving me a great opportunity to let others influence my life and be an influence of others. Amen? How are we ever going to get past where we are if we don't start getting past where we are? Come on now. Look at your neighbor and say, come on now. He's telling, he is. He's telling the truth. Tell him. He's telling it. He's telling the truth. We got to influence others. We need others in our life. I'm not talking about just some, hey, listen, we need people who can ask us the hard questions, who can look us in the face and say, you know what? Uh, you know, I know what you said. I understand. But listen, that's just a bunch of baloney. And if you read the book starting over, basically, you know, you got to realize at some point in your life, somebody's got to tell you, it's time you get up and get going. You can't sit here and wallow around. You need people who get you up, dust you off and get you going, give you one of these and say, glory to God, keep going for Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, they might offend me. Well, you're already offended because nobody wants to be your friend. I'm getting cranky this morning, aren't I? Some people get nervous, antsy. Well, we're raising the bar. Look at your neighbor, it's because we're raising the bar. Amen. And then number three, if we're going to influence others, not only do we need the influence of our open heart, but we need the influence of others who help us and teach us and train us to influence others. Because understand something, uh, others sharpen our life. There are some people in your life, they dull your life. You get around them and you feel dull. You feel unspiritual. What does Proverbs say? As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We need sh people who will sharpen us. We don't need a bunch of turkeys in our life. Well, I thought we we're supposed to love the turkeys. Yeah, that's Thanksgiving. Got to get a better amen. We love everybody, but we fellowship with those who raise the bar in our life. Number three, it's the influence of our opportunities. You need to understand something about every day. This day, every day, is a divine, one, one great big divine, it's a gift from God. It's a great big divine opportunity to influence others. One of our challenges is this. To win, uh, not necessarily to win, it'd be great, to witness, to share the gospel with seven people in seven weeks. What are we doing? Raising the bar because we know the statistics, somebody help me say statistic, statistics. We know the statistic in the church in America is this, that 50% of people or less uh, have, have not shared the gospel with one person in the last 12 months. Are you with me? And so we're, we're challenging each, each other 
to raise the bar and share Jesus with others. I think I told you this Wednesday night, uh, but I'm going to tell it for everybody. Uh, listen, you can share the gospel in so many ways. There's an app on my phone. My son turned it on, turned me on to it. It's called Periscope. It's bizarre. It's live streaming to the whole world. It links up to your Twitter account and all your friends can follow you. You can, I could get out my phone. In fact, I'll do it right now. I don't know if I have time, but I'll do it right now. It's the most bizarre thing. 4270. Here we go. Oh, I just told you the code to my phone. Oh no, I have to change it now. Periscope. Periscope. Uh, okay, here we go. I'm going to talk. I'm going to say church and watch this. Uh, my wife didn't like me doing this because she might not be ready to be broadcast to the whole world. Okay, now, right now, I'm showing everybody the empty seats. That's embarrassing to me. That looks a little better over here. Here we go. Right now, I'm broadcasting to the whole world, and they have an opportunity to, to, to find me, even strangers. And so, the other day, I was riding my bike in Boykin, and I thought I'd periscope. And so, I'm riding. Are you watching me? She's periscoping me while I'm periscoping her. Man, this is weird. Oh, Nathan, my son is here now. Nathan, we're talking about you. It's an illustration. He's listening to me right now. He can actually type in a name and he can type in and say something. He can give me a bunch of hearts and he make me feel real good. And so, so he's in Nashville right now. He's listening to me periscope and he's probably going, Dad, where are all the people? There's a few empty chairs there. It looks kind of bad up here. But everybody smile and wave at Nathan. Wave at Nathan. He said, hallelujah. Now, I'm riding my bike in Boykin and people from... There's a girl by the name of Lisa popped up, started watching me ride my... I said, why would anybody want to watch a 59-year-old man ride his bike in Boykin? But people all over the world are signing in. And so I talked to them. And I said, hey, Lisa, where are you from? She's from the UK, she said. I said, really? And so we talked a minute. You know, I just comment as I'm riding my bike. I said, you know, Lisa, the Lord bless you and keep you. It causes His face to shine upon you and give you peace. And she sent me a little text back that says, thank you, I'm not very religious. And so she punched my button. And I said, well, Lisa, I'm not talking about being religious. I'm talking about a bona fide, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. And, it'll, and, and, then, and the next thing she typed back, she said, when I was 17, my dad died and I lost my faith. I said, ooh, I got a live one on the online. And while I'm biking in Boykin, I start ministering to the little, little girl in the UK. And I, and, and she interacted. I said, promise me, Lisa, that you won't chuck your faith just because your daddy died. People, people die all the time. And that's what faith is for. It's for the hard times. It's not for the good times. And I encouraged her and I said, would you read the gospel of John and ask Jesus to reveal himself to you again? You need Jesus. She said, I sure will. I said, do you promise? She said, I promise. Well, I'm riding my bike in Boykin. That's the addition we live in. It's not a foreign land. <laughs> and so I'm, I've got to find another Lisa. I've got to find somebody else next week because I've got my one. I need more. We all need to do more. But listen, it's easy to influence other people for Jesus Christ. Could I get a better amen? And so, so listen, we've got to open our hearts to hear. We've got to uh, say, hey, every day is one great big divine opportunity to touch somebody's life. Most of you come in contact with more lost people than I do. Man, the fields are widened to harvest. Look and see. Open your eyes. Quit. Hey, get those inverted eyeballs off yourself. Some of you are so concerned about the clock. Oh, when do I get off of this joint, for goodness sake, so I can get home and, and really get inverted in my thinking. Amen. 
Are y'all tired of me? There's five people. I don't know who they are. They're watching. You better be nice. Yeah, they're watching you all over the world. Amen. Oh, I got to go. I got to finish preaching. See y'all. All right. Isn't that bizarre? But there's a little girl in Manchester, England, who I believe because of her response to me was impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they're everywhere. Every day is one great big divine opportunity to touch somebody, to make a difference. Today, wherever, anybody going out to eat today? Anybody going out to eat afterwards? I think I'm going home. My wife made what? What? Taco soup. I'm not inviting you over. There's not much left. Taco soup. I'm probably going home. But listen, when you get out and about today, you don't need Periscope. They're all around you. How are you doing today? Good to see you. Lord bless you. Look what happened when I just said, Lord bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you and give you peace. And door opened wide open. All of a sudden, I touched something on the inside of her. I, I, I'm not religious. I chucked my faith. Well, don't do that. Amen. We've got to realize every day is a divine opportunity. Paul said this in Ephesians 5, 16. He said, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity. And finally today, the ability to influence others is not just the influence of our openness and the influence of our others in our life and the influence of our divine opportunities. But here's where it all comes down. This is where, this is where the rubber meets the road. It's the influence of our obedience. Are we going to really obey God? Listen, genuine faith, listen to me, genuine faith will always be manifest by our, by our obedient influences of others. Listen, you can't say you're obeying and following Jesus and not influence other people in your life. Well, yes, I can. No, you can't. I'm the pastor and I'm winning this one. You can't, hey, listen, you can't have a genuine, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ on a daily basis and not be an obedient influencer of other people's in your life. Boom, that's it, I win. Are you with me? It's our obedience. Acts 26, I won't turn there because it's getting late, but Paul is talking to King Agrippa and he's giving his testimony. And he tells his testimony. He tells how God called him. In fact, God called him from the Jews so he could minister to the Jews. and From the world so he could then minister to the world. And he said this, and O King... I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. My question to you is, are you and I, are we going to be obedient to the call of God on our life to influence others? Boom. Or are we going to sit back and let our culture continue to let us just go the flow of our present day culture that is more self-consumed than selfless? Or are we going to arise? Somebody say arise. 
Are we going to get up and begin to say, it's time to obey the call of God on my life. It's time to take the great commission uh, 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 for real. It's time to realize that, hey, I've been commissioned by God to go into all the world. I've been commanded by God to go into all the world. I've been called of God to be an influence in this life. I am salt and I am light. And I will not be disobedient to the heavenly vision. Listen today. If in this room here, if in this this room, there was the only people uh, that in Beaumont that had a had a concern for Christ. If in this room here with this 100, 125 people, all of a sudden awaken to the call of God on their life and realize I'm here to be an influence in this world. Listen, 120 plus people in the room, in the, in the book of Acts changed the whole world for the glory of God because they said, yes. And in the face of great adversity, the gospel began to spread to all the world. Let's stand up. Whew. Everybody say it's time to raise the bar. If we're going to say we have faith and we don't have works, what did James say? We're going to show, show our faith by our works. Faith without works is what? It's dead. It's not real. Every head up, every eye open. Everyone looking around. Here we are. We have a choice. We have choices. Are we going to continue to go with this culture shift that is more consumed and concerned about myself than it is others? Or are we going to take this Matthew 16 passage seriously that says, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to die to yourself. You know, you know what Jesus said about the cross? He said, they didn't take my life. I laid it down. And if you expect Jesus to come and take your life and lay you down on the cross and be crucified to your own desire, He did that so you don't have to be nailed to a cross, but you can willingly say, I give up my life for His life. That's what following Jesus is all about. What did He say in Matthew 16? If anyone come after me, if anybody's going to follow me, let him deny himself. Listen, you've been without Bluebell for a long time. You can do it. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and say, it's not about me. I'm here to be an influence in the world. I'm not going to let my issues keep me from being what Jesus wants me to be. And that's salt and light. I'm going to open my heart to a world that's lost and without Christ. Here's what we need to pray. That our hearts would open up. That our eyes would open up. You see, when your heart opens up, your eyes will open up. You'll be like Jesus when He sees the multitude. He goes, He's moved with compassion. 
We need to pray, God, open my heart up. And then we need to pray, God, open doors of opportunity. Let every day be a divine opportunity. And then we pray that God would open up their hearts. That they would hear what you have to say. That their hearts would be touched as they were in the, in the, in the, in the Acts when Peter began to preach. Their hearts were, were, were touched. In fact, when Jesus walked with the disciples, the resurrected Christ, on the road to Emmaus, they said, did not our hearts burn within us when He spoke to us? Let's pray that God would open our hearts. Let's pray for open doors. And let's pray that those that we come in contact, their hearts would be open. You want to do that? You dare? I dare you. I dare you to pray, God, open my heart up to others. I dare you to pray for open doors of opportunity because I, I promise you, He'll answer that one in a heartbeat. Father, today as we stand together, I pray, Lord Jesus, that our hearts would not be closed off to this world. That at least in this room today and hopefully in Southeast Texas and around the world, that the church would awaken, that the church would not go with the flow. That the church would not be consumed by a selfish consumerism mindset, but the church would awaken to the reality that we've got to die to ourselves and let the life of Christ be raised up within us. That we see the world like Jesus sees the world. That our hearts are open. And I pray for everyone here today that their hearts would begin to open up. That they would not let the issues of their life, Lord, overwhelm them to the point that all they can see is their problems, their circumstances, and their situation. Lord, open our hearts, Lord, so our eyes can see the world around us. And Lord, I pray you would open up, Lord God, doors of opportunity for each and every one of us here today. Come on, agree with me. Are you agreeing or just waiting for church to get over? Agree with me right now. Lord, we pray you'd open our hearts and you would open doors of opportunity for the Word of God to go forth. And we pray that hearts would open up as we step out in faith, Lord, and begin to share the gospel. Lord, let us not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for we know it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Lord, let it be today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Everybody say we're raising the bar.